Welcome to City Life Church, and this is our podcast. This is Pastor Dave Diefendorf, and we are so honored to have you join us today. Our passion is to help you discover who God is, grow in the likeness of Jesus, and lead well in this generation. I hope in this message, God will meet you where you're at and take you to the next level in your connection with Him and His kingdom. Enjoy the message. Good morning, everybody. Happy 4th. Hope you guys have some good plans. Man, it's quiet in here, isn't it? Dang. Hello. Uh, No, it's going to be a fun, fun morning. Well, we are on our last church of the book of Revelation. If you've been with us the last few weeks, we've been looking at these seven churches Jesus addresses in the book of Revelation, just chapter 2 and 3. And uh, today we're on our last church, so come on everybody, let's celebrate. Anyway, uh, but the heart behind this series is that God would be able to fill this place with His presence and His truth, and that He would be able to speak to us, and I think He has throughout this series as I've been hearing. Many people are waking up to the fact that this is a spiritual war, that you've been born in a spiritual battle, and whose side Uh, Those who are on God's side of creation, Yahweh, our Father and King, and those who serve the commander in the air who rules this place by deception, manipulation, propaganda, and lies. He who rules this fallen evil world system. So in a sense, uh, this spiritual war is almost trying to force a decision out of you. Do you choose the world or do you choose Yahweh? Jesus said that many... On that day, many choose the path of the world, but very few find the narrow path to the kingdom of God. And so there is no spiritual Switzerland. I don't know if you knew that. There is no place on this planet that you can exist that you are not either on one side or the other of that spiritual war. There is no spiritual Switzerland. And in this time, God is calling out His chosen ones from the fray, those who are that who's that who's are his alone, that who abide in him, that know him, that shine him forth and his lived out way in the kingdom of darkness. God has chosen you and wants to equip you. Throughout these letters, we're getting a sense of who God is, what is of utmost concern on his heart. You realize that in none of these letters, Jesus is hounding the leaders of, hey, you need to grow more, you need to get bigger, you need to have more influence. It's the values of the world that have been placed upon the values of the kingdom of God. God values different things than this world values. And we've been learning, God, what, what's, what's burden, what burdens his heart? And how, what does he say to correct it? Because God is calling these churches to be who God's called them to be. And he's calling you and I and this spiritual family to be the same. So today we're gonna, we come to our last letter in this series from Jesus to these first century churches. These churches who are supposed to be trained and equipped by God Himself, His Word, His Spirit, to advance the kingdom of God and to disciple nations. That's one of the, it is the great commission that Jesus gave His disciples. Go, I'm with you, my presence is with you always, but go and disciple nations. Win the nations back. That's what He was saying. And so it's in a time like this, we could see like, 
mm, how is that going to happen? Right? We kind of think, think maybe the end is close, the end is near. But I think God wants us to capture his heart, that it's like, no, 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 if you've got breath in your lungs, if you are born in this generation, God has a mission, an assignment for you that's assigned to you from the time before you were born, that you're his masterpiece. You've been created anew in Christ Jesus to do the good things that he's planned for you long ago. And that's why we're here. So let's pray, and then we'll dive in to Laodicea. Father, we just ask, God, that no matter where we're at with you, God, Father, we pray that your Holy Spirit would pierce through our calluses, our stubbornness, our pride, our rebellion, and God, speak to us, speak to our hearts here this morning. God, we don't just want another Sunday service, God, we want to encounter the living God. And so, Father, as we open up your word, we pray that your Spirit, God, would speak to our hearts clearly in Jesus' name, amen. Well, before we dive in, we've been just getting a little background as to every one of these cities. It seems like if you get a little background to these cities, it illuminates the letter through which God is, is, is speaking. And it's often observed, Laodicea, Laodicea was a banking and fashion hub in this part of Rome. Uh, Cicero cashed in bills in exchange. It was known in this city in Laodicea. Uh, on his way to Sicilia, or Cilicia, uh, Cilicia, Cilicia. Sorry, I probably should have worked that before I stepped on stage. Anyway, uh, but Laodicea, so it was banking industry, kind of think like Wall Street maybe of Rome. Uh, it was also a proud garment industry, and it's well-clothed citizens. The city was noted also for a medical center there in Laodicea. Uh, it was a famous for two particular products, um, an ointment for the ears and an ointment for the eyes. This city became known. Finances, fashion, and medical advancement. And Laodicea was chosen for its position as an important road junction. And now, when you kind of think, you know, most cities are built around a water source. You know, a river, a lake, some sort of water source. Well, Laodicea had no water source. It was, it was positioned there strategically just for the roads. And so it had to port in water from the south. And there was, there's a great aqueduct that you can still see that, that is pumping water into Laodicea. And many think it came from a natural water supply south of town that was like a hot springs. You ever go to the hot springs? Ever smell the hot springs? Hey, that's sulfur, man. Um, but anyway, it, it seemed like they were pumping this kind of hot spring water into Laodicea. So by the time it got to Laodicea, the pipes wouldn't have cooled it all that much, and the water that they would have drank in would have been tepid, and a lot of times would have induced vomiting. Hmm. So, glad you have clean water. Praise the Lord. So what does Jesus have to say about this final church in Laodicea? It says this, Write this letter to the angel, or to the pastor, of the church in Laodicea. This is the message from the one who is the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of God's new creation. Another title that Jesus gives himself, 
Lastly, it says it's, he is the amen. This seems to be reference to Deuteronomy 7 that says, Know therefore that the Lord your God is God, the faithful, the amen God, who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations. He is the amen. He is the faithful and true one, and it's he that addresses you, Laodiceans. All right, verse 15. He says, I know the things you do, that you are neither hot nor cold. I wish that you were one or the other, but since you are like lukewarm water, neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. I'll vomit you up, another translation says. So, he, Jesus is diving right in, goes right for the jugular in the Laodiceans. Many of the other letters, Jesus gives nice words of encouragement. Hey, I see what you're doing here. I see your faithfulness. I see your goodness over here. I see how you're laying down your life, but not for the Laodiceans. It seemed like their church was so compromised with this lukewarm spirit that he just kind of dives right in. This lukewarm spirit has captured you. And I'd rather you be hot or cold, hot or the truly saved, like born again on fire believers. The cold are, are those who are not believers and don't even claim to be. But the lukewarm are those who claim to believe in Jesus and either not truly born again, have never really yielded the knee to Jesus and allegiance to Him and have this Holy Spirit come inside of you, or their love has grown cold and live in a mire shell, in a mere shell of who God made them to be. The lukewarm is the one who's tasted the good gift of God and of the powers of the world to come, who has been a subject of divine grace, but in whom that grace has failed to kindle even the feeblest spark. The publicans and the harlots were cold. The apostles and the disciples were hot. The Pharisees and the Sadducees were lukewarm. Since you are in this state, Laodicea, you're useless to me. There's nothing I can do with lukewarm. At least if you were cold, I could use you as an example of what life becomes without God. And I could point to the cold example to actually bring in heat into my kingdom. But those who claim my name and yet live a compromised life, not much I can do with that. He says, You'll be like, you're like tepid water that you drink. And it makes you throw up. That's God's heart. He'd rather have you hot or cold, either all in or all out. But yet us in humanity, we love in the way that we rationalize in our hearts and our minds how to just sit there and ride that fence. We want our cake and we want to eat it too. Everywhere the pattern of history is that of a, like a revolving wheel. I don't know, I love history. If you ever get into history, uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a great subject to study because history repeats itself. And here's the kind of natural flow. This pattern happens. Man suffers lack and affliction, and they turn to God. Step one. They suffer lack and affliction, and they turn to God. Number two, God responds to repentance with provision and blessing. Number three, men glory in their condition of prosperity and grow cold towards God. So God gives the blessing and prosperity 
and mankind has a way that through enough time justifies that it is man that brought us here and not God. It is man's progress that has got us here and not God's faithfulness. And in that attitude, judgment falls and the wheel goes around and around and around. And it's almost like, man, we're like three plus right now, aren't we, as in like a nation? But sometimes after God's blessing comes, we fool ourselves as if we did it all. We love our freedom, our prosperity, our comfort. And in this state, the new enemy becomes those that remind us that God still calls us to repentance. In that lukewarm condition, the one thing that we don't want to hear is somebody saying, you need to repent. You're in a state of sin. You're falling short of who God made you to be. And we don't want to hear that. No, 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 no. We don't want to hear about our pride and rebellion. We just love just kind of riding the fence, thinking that we, we want all the benefits of heaven, yet all the benefits of the world, and we think that those two can reconcile at one point. They can't. They're eternal enemies. And so, therefore, in a society of Rome, or really any Babel society, tolerance becomes a virtue. Aristotle says tolerance is the virtue of a dying culture. G.K. Testerson says tolerance is the virtue of a man without convictions. So if you don't have any convictions, tolerance becomes the easy out. Or if there's a culture or a pressure to be tolerant, there's a pressure to kind of lose your convictions, lose what you know to be true. And Dostoevsky said this, tolerance will reach such a level that intelligent people will be banned from thinking so as not to offend the imbeciles. That's so true. Dostoevsky speaking as a result of the Russian Revolution, and he sees that this teaching of tolerance keeps imbeciles in power. The temptation to just play neutral to just go along to get along, to just stay quiet and let people do what they just want to do. I'm sure that same pressure that we experience in our generation is the same pressure the Laodiceans were experiencing in Rome. Just be quiet. Just get along. Don't rock the boat. Don't risk the biscuit. These people are wanting the companionship and blessing from God while at the same time possessing a love and a commitment to the wealth the comfort, the status, and love of the world. And much like a house, a heart divided cannot stand. It will crumble and fall. Because at some point, you're going to have to choose. And more often than not, because you've been kind of living your own way in the lukewarm life, when pressure hits, more often than not, nine out of ten times, you'll choose your own way or the way of the world or the way where everybody else is doing it. People caught up in a life like that, God cannot use for his purposes. And like I said, it actually hinders his purpose because people walk around saying, well, that's what a Christian is. And they have no clue that it's a lukewarm person walking around trying to represent the living God. So that's why God says, I can't do much. Verse 17, he says, you, are, you say, Laodiceans, oh, I'm rich, I have everything I want, I don't need a thing. 
And you don't realize that you are wretched, miserable, poor, naked, and blind. Whew. Another heater from Jesus. You say, I'm good. I've got everything I need. We're wealthy, affluent, fashionable. Then he realizes, okay, beyond the facade of all that, you're wretched and miserable. You're broken. You're afflicted. You're experiencing pain of being separated from something. What is misery? Misery is being separated and experiencing pain, separated from the thing that you need or desire. That's misery. And our heart, because it's in a continually broken state, is crying out for wholeness. We just want to be whole. We just want to be known. We just want to be accepted. Those are the heart's cry of one who's made by God, whose only answer is God, and not anything of the world. But he says, you're poor. You're lacking the true riches of human life created by God. You're naked. Naked, everybody. Well, anybody had a naked dream? But anyway, you just feel exposed, right? You're out in the open. People around you know your weaknesses and shame. He says, you're unable to see. You're blind. You're unable to be with God and know His will. Sin, the state of lukewarmness, is a place of sin, and it's deceptive. Ephesians 4.8 says, their minds are full of darkness. They wander far from the life of God gives them because they have closed their eyes and hardened their hearts against Him. Closing our minds, hardening our hearts. And that can happen. That's why sometimes hot can become lukewarm really quick because the expectation didn't match. Jesus, I was supposed to experience X, Y, and Z, and all I got is S, Q, and a freaking messed up K. Like, we just, we, we expect God, and then He doesn't come through. And we think, well, maybe we just, we just contend to throw it out the window. But don't close your mind. Don't harden your heart. God is still faithful. It just may not play out the way that you designed it to. Because God's something after, maybe a little bit more than what you're after in life. Maybe He wants more out of your life to glorify Him, to put His life in you. And when that meets your personality that He gave you, your passion that He gave you, man, you can do something with that. But He says this, this state of darkness, Laodiceans, this is, this is the state you're in. So God gives some advice. Verse 18, so I advise you to buy gold for me, gold that's been purified by fire, then you'll be rich. Also buy white garments from me so that you will not be shamed by your nakedness and ointment for your eyes so that you'd be able to see. He's highlighting the three things Laodicea is known for. Gold, fashion, medicine. Jesus says, your heart is searching for all those things and yet coming up empty. I advise you. You know, you get advice from like, you know, the guy down the street and it's like, eh, take it or leave it. You get a guy that's like a CEO or highly competent, people lean in. The creator of the universe is giving some advice and he's saying, I would advise you. Meaning, this is what you should do, y'all. I advise you, buy gold from me, white garments from me, ointment from me, 
the thing that your heart is crying out for, looking for it out in the world, it's actually found in Him. So what's this gold? The merchants and people of this wealthy mercantile city, he addresses himself in his own dialect. Would it not be wise to transact their chief business with him? Gold, gold from him, garments from him, white salve, or eye salve, eye ointment. People don't like the word ointment just because the oi in it, you know, you ever moist, goiter, ointment. You know, it's all those words that just kind of like, ugh, could you just not say ointment? So I'll say salve. Okay, so he says not just gold, but refined gold, gold that's been purified in fire, gold from a life that's a life of refined fellowship. In him. First Peter 1 says, In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials, that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. God wants your life refined, refined gold, not with all the dross and all the other elements. He wants pure gold out of your life. Knowing Him is greater than, of much more value than, anything that the world could provide. All right. How about this? White garments. What are these? Well, the mention of white garments would be especially striking since Laodicea was known for their high-quality, glossy, black wool. The famous ancient historian Strabo says... The country around Laodicea produces sheep remarkable not only for the softness of their wool, for which they surpass even that of Miletus, but also for its raven black color. Raven black color. Laodicea's wools were famous for their dark black color. Therefore, Christ, he says, you're panning and pining for this black wool that you've become famous for. You might have high fashion if you were to travel to other cities. Oh, you're Laodiceans. Oh, I see your fashion. But he says, no, no, no. The garments that you wear, you're wretched and despicable, y'all. You need white clothing. You need white garments that only Jesus can provide. Lastly, ointment for the eyes. Sorry, salve for the eyes. There is explicit evidence for the connection Laodicea with a leading figure in First century ophthalmology comes from Laodicea. And he was made famous by the salves that he created. Yet it was God, and it is only God, that can heal and cure them of their spiritual blindness. He offers a salve that nobody else can offer. So gold, purity, an ointment for your eyes so you can see. Verse 19, I correct and discipline everyone I love. So be diligent and turn from your indifference. Be diligent and turn from your indifference. It seems like they were just kind of indifferent. Yeah, the world kind of does that. Yeah, God's word says that. Yeah, kind of indifferent. God says, I can't do anything with you with that indifferent spirit. There's nothing, there's, there's nothing in the harbor that I can push out into the open sea. What you've been tolerating among you, this indifference to me and my ways, as my people, I'm calling you to repentance. Therefore, it's in this God is 
treating him like their own, his own children. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. The Laodicean church should have taken comfort in the fact that even though this letter was a letter of rebuke, it was an indication of God's ongoing love pursuit of them. Growing up, athletes, athletic coaches, a lot of coaches, a lot of teams, one thing that uh, is a big red flag is when your coach stops coaching you. Sometimes there's a way when, when a coach knows that a player is uncoachable, a lot of times he will stop wasting his time with that player, and he will develop other strategies around that player because it's such a problem. Jesus is giving them coaching tips, and that's a sign that he hasn't given up on them. I'm asking you, I'm advising you. I discipline everyone I correct. It reminds me of Hebrews 12. It says, For our earthly fathers disciplined us for a few years doing the best they knew how, but God's discipline is always good for us so that we might share in his holiness. Being holy, as we talked about that last week and this last week, kind of just being holy. But that's God's objective over your life, is for you to walk in holiness. No discipline is enjoyable while it's happening. It's painful. But afterwards, there's a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained in this way. So take a new grip with your tired hands and strengthen your weak knees. Mark out a straight path for your feet so that those who are weak and lame will not fall but become strong. I love that at the end. It says, mark out a straight path for your feet so that those who are weak, those that are following you, those that are watching you, will not fall but become strong. So his encouragement, receive your father's instruction here, my ecclesia. Turn from your indifference. Repent and be hot for me. For he says, verse 20, look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and we will share a meal together as friends. The irony here is that Jesus is outside of his own church <laughs> desiring to be invited back in. The love of God and his desire to resolve the condition in Laodicea is reflected in the manner in which God of the universe steadfastly waits outside their door to be invited. And a lot of times this verse gets used to be uh, God's knocking on the door of your heart. And while that may be true, the, the context of this verse that gets used for it is he's knocking on the door of the church, saying, I want in. I want to be in charge. If you hear my voice, he says, open the door. If you hear my voice, then open the door. And this invitation to not just, like, invite me in, but he even goes even further, and he says to dine with you in fellowship with one another. That's, you know, you have a certain acquaintances that you might just kind of invite into the front entryway, you know, really new and might just be kind of that front entryway. Closer friend, you might, hey, come on in the living room. But real close friends, real tight friends, those are you find kind of hanging out in your kitchen. And the dinner table, dinner table. It's an intimate place. There's actually communion and fellowship. I don't know if you've been, have you, have you ever felt that over a meal? 
Like it wasn't just about the food, that there was something more going on. There were hearts getting united. There were stories being discovered. There were people getting closer. And that's what Jesus wants to do in your life, is to dine with you, dine with us every day. That it's not just, hey, it's kind of a fam reunion. We go meet up with Jesus, get a plate, and then we'll see you next year. It's every day Jesus wants to dine with you. Verse 21, those who are victorious will sit with me on my throne, just as I was victorious and sat with my father on his throne. So they will sit with me. Those who are victorious, those who are overcomers, they're going to sit with me and rule with me. They're going to rule, share his rule in the same way he sits at the right hand of the father and shares his rule. This is truly amazing manifestation of grace. Those who are about to be spewed out of his mouth get invited to sit with him on the throne and dine with him. Wow. All in one, just a few verses. It's like you can see the kindness and goodness of God. I see your lukewarmness. I see your indifference. But yet I'm knocking at the door, I'm pursuing your heart, and I'm asking you to invite me in and let me dine with you so I can train and equip you to be who I've asked you to be in this generation. Mm. Verse 22, anyone with ears to hear should listen to the Spirit and understand what he's saying to the churches. To the churches, plural. Not just the Laodicean church, but to the churches. To all of Jesus' church, this message applies. I'd rather you be hot or cold. But in this lukewarm state, there's nothing I can do. So let's interact with the Lord on this. Let's kind of just, just kind of turn our hearts to just a place of prayer and just quiet before the Lord. And I just want to ask some good questions. So, Father, we just invite you here to, God, just come and examine our own hearts. Even on this, God, holiday weekend, Father, I pray that you would just keep doing your business in us. And, Father, I pray that, Lord, we just would ask, God, what what camp do we find ourselves in today? Today. Not yesterday, not when you were in high school, but, God, today. Pray that you would help us assess our heart today. God, are we hot? Are we on fire for you? Are we growing into who you've called us to be? Are we leaning in? Or God, maybe there's some of us here that we're just like, man, of, the, of all those three states, I honestly feel like I'm cold. That I've maybe been around the person of Jesus, but I've never really experienced his regenerative life and transformation. I just say if that's you, that's a good place to be because knowing that you don't know him and not assuming that you do is a great humble place for God to speak so clearly to your heart. He extends an invitation for you to come, to humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, to repent and to live for Him and Him alone.
He's the only one worthy to give your heart and life to. He's the only one worthy. Or do you feel yourself kind of lukewarm? Maybe not really all the way hot, definitely not all the way cold, but kind of in this awkward middle. God, what are, what are the areas of our life that are compromised, that are unsurrendered? And the question is, what are you tolerating that's keeping you from giving God your all, your 100%? What are you tolerating? That's what God wants to deal with today. So, Father, I pray that whatever this is, whatever thing is holding us back, a relationship, a habit, a way of seeing things, a a pattern, a stubbornness, a pride in our own life, Father, I pray that right now, God, that you would address us, much like the Laodiceans, and call us to repentance, call us to be who you've made us to be. And so, Father, I just pray that, Lord, no matter where we're at, if we're hot, God, I pray that you would bless that, stoke that, fuel that. Father, I, I, there's so many hearts here that I know that are just in that state. They're growing. They're on fire. They're not the same person as they were three months ago, six months ago. They're pursuing you. That's a hot place to be. And God, I just thank you for the people in that place. But Father, there's maybe other of us that we know that we're cold. And so Father, I pray that Lord, right now, we would say, Father, I surrender my whole life to you. I give my allegiance to you. Lord, my pride and stubbornness has kept me away from you. And God, I relinquish that. I'm done with that old life. And I want to live for you. Teach me and train me how to be your son or daughter. In Jesus' name. Father, for... The rest of us, Father, is just this lukewarm pool that seems to just suck people in. So, Father, I pray that you would deal in our heart. If there's any area of lukewarmness that right now you'd come and, God, we'd give it to you, we'd hand it to you and say, Jesus, take it from me. I don't want this a part of my life anymore. It's not serving me. It's not helping me. It's not actually helping me grow. I'm actually becoming more bitter, more depressed, more bound. God, and I know that. And so, Father, I pray that you would take this from me. And by your strength, give me your grace and your ability to live on fire for you. Father, surround me with people that are on fire. Surround me with hot folk. So I know what it means to live for you. Lord Jesus, thank you for our time. And God, we just invite you as, as a pastor here. God, I, we invite you here to have your way with us. God, this next season, this next moment in time, God, that you would be our chief, that you would be our captain. God, you would be the one leading and guiding us moving forward in you. Father, we thank you for your your fatherly love over us. We don't deserve it. But God, because of your goodness, we get to live in it. 
So, Lord, we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, with that, have a great 4th of July weekend. We'll get kicked off another series next Sunday. But um, uh, for those of you that are, were in our class over June, uh, there is a couple resources. One is the Love Thy Body book that was kind of uh, plugged throughout the class. Uh, feel free to, it's available over there if you want to get a good summer read. But with that, be safe, drive safe, have fun. See you. Well, we hope this message has inspired you and challenged you to be the man or woman he's called you to be now and to see his kingdom grow in every area and arena of life. God is with you more than you know. For more information about our community here in Kansas City, please visit us online at citylifekc.org. And we'll see you next time on the City Life Podcast.